You're listening to Parenting in the First Three Years, the place where we explore the strategies and soul of parenting from pregnancy through the first three years of life. I'm your host, Ann McKittrick. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello and welcome. Do you find yourself worried about what you're feeding your kid? You know, I think it's just a universal parenting thing. We wonder and we worry about what our child is eating. Do you wonder if they're getting what they need nutritionally or if you might be accidentally communicating attitudes that you really don't want to communicate to your child about food? You know, I grew up in an era of diet explosions. I can remember my parents going to Sam's Warehouse and getting a five-pound block of cheddar cheese and just eating it almost exclusively as they followed this brand new diet that was sweeping the nation called the Atkins Diet. Since then, throughout my life and continuing today, there's just been a tsunami of information coming at us about food and what we need to know and what we need to think about it, which honestly I think is coming to us with good intentions. The research is helpful and it's informed us really well. We want to feel good and we want to have energy and avoid hangups about food, so we learn all we can about it, and sometimes we can get a little confused with conflicting information. When it comes from moving from bottles and breastfeeding to introducing solid foods to your baby, sometimes these messages from our childhood, which for all of us is different, can make us wonder if we're doing what's the best thing. So today I've invited Danny Lebovitz, a pediatric registered dietitian, to talk about our own mindset as we introduce food to our babies and continue food with our children. Danny is an early childhood education advocate and a mom of three. She's the founder of Kid Food Explorers, a resource hub and learning platform that empowers families on their journey to raise confident, adventurous eaters. So be sure to stay with us until the end so you can hear her tips on what you can do today to help your baby and toddler in their food journey. So here we go. So um, Danny, thank you so much for joining me here today on this show. And I'm so excited to speak with you about introducing food to really young children and all of the, all of the things that we need to think about as we move forward with that. And so thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me here today. So tell me a little bit about your work. Just, you know, what what is it that you do? Sure. So I am a pediatric registered dietitian nutritionist and a mom of three. My girls are ages one, three, and five. So I am in the thick of it and (laughs) all the mom things too. Um, A little bit about my work is that I focus on sensory exploration and uh, I am the founder of Kids Food Explorers, which is a resource hub and learning platform that empowers families on their journey to raise competent, competent eaters. Great. You know, one of the things that I've noticed over the years, and I've, I've been in this world of parenting and early childhood education for 30 plus years, and there have been a lot of changes in the research and in attitudes and suggested practices around food and how we approach it with young children. So how would you describe these changes and, and what do you think is, is new today that maybe wasn't around when I was raising my children? Sure. Yeah. I think that there has been a big shift on really 
focusing on developing a healthy relationship with food. And so I think the first thing to kind of talk about is what does a healthy relationship with food look like? And that means sort of welcoming all foods with no restrictions, seeing the value of food that is beyond the calories, that there is no moral value to a food that you enjoy. It's about listening to your body's hunger and fullness cues. So that means eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, that there aren't foods that are off limits. And we don't let other people's opinions about a food or food labeling like healthy versus unhealthy dictate whether or not you can eat a food. Uh, and so I think with this in mind, that is in partnership with this idea of intuitive eating and that we are hoping to bring this healthy relationship with food and establish that healthy relationship with food for our kids. And so it really kind of changes this conversation that I know I grew up with, which is the clean plate club, sitting at the table until I finished everything on my plate, the pressuring to try a food or to eat X amount more bites until I can have my dessert, which also means that is using food as a bribe or reward. And so what I'm seeing this shift and which research really supports is that if we want to build confident and competent eaters, what we really need to be doing is empowering our children to build their autonomy. Our goal is not for our children to eat their veggies today. It's that they can trust their body as they learn about their taste buds so that they feel comfortable exploring all different foods and that we build those eating skills for a lifetime. So how does that work with your own eating habits? Do you find yourself following those same guidelines for yourself? Or do you kind of have some words going on in your mind that say, no, don't eat that right now? You know, those kinds of things. Uh, what I hear you kind of asking about is our own internal dialogue that is shouting from diet culture. And so diet culture tells us, well, don't eat this food because it's going to go straight to your thighs kind of thing. Or diet culture gives us this ideal body image that is thin or super fit or looks a certain way and therefore triggers us to say, oh no, I can't eat that because it will do X, Y, and Z. And so what I will say is I am a dietitian and um, I got into nutrition just because I really like to eat. I, it's not because I necessarily wanted to eat healthy. My, my undergraduate education had food labs. I didn't have a lot of money. And part of those labs where we got to prepare the same food multiple different ways. And I am really a, a food lover at heart. What I will tell you is that 
there is a significant number of dietitians who got into nutrition because of an eating disorder or disordered eating. Hmm. And I would say the average American has so many messages from diet culture, including myself from my mother. I grew up with a mom who was always dieting and always had things to say, negative things to say about her body or nagging me about certain things about my body. And so, yeah, sometimes the, that voice does creep in, even in my own world. But what I work on and what I focus on is number one, when I recognize that those are those voices are messages that are not good messages to share with my child or my children, I keep it in my head. So I don't let them hear those negative uh, messages about food. And then the second thing is sort of like a mantra, like, it's just food. I'm listening to my body. Uh, am I hungry for this? Yes or no? Okay, yes, then I'm going to eat this. Uh, a good example I have about that for is, have you ever really been in the mood for a dessert or a candy? Like, let's say you you're a lover of chocolate and gosh, you really just want a peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cup but you are trying to quote unquote, be good and avoid that Reese's peanut butter cup. So in place of it, you have this and you have that and you have this and you have that and you still have that taste for that Reese's peanut butter cup. Well, at the end of the day, you've probably consumed a lot more calories, other, we'll call them unhealthy options for the sake of this conversation of the example we're providing and you still are not satisfied. Well, what if you gave yourself unconditional permission to enjoy that food that would satisfy that craving? It's not off limits. You enjoyed it and you moved on with your day. You know, what I am trying to do with my children is, and you'll probably, you've probably seen this on social media uh, around Easter or Halloween, and it's this permission to let your children go crazy with the candy. And I don't know if your kids were like this growing up and I see it with my kids. It's like a crazy frenzy when it's candy time. And so instead of saying, well, you can only have one piece or two pieces, um, what we do is we invite them to enjoy until they feel satisfied. Yes, we still create some boundaries. Like it's not a free for all all the time, but I might say, okay, at lunchtime today, you can have as much candy as you want. But remember, we need to listen to our bodies. We don't want to get a bellyache when you feel, when your tummy feels happy, we're done. And I think that kind of changes the conversation of making it an untouchable food. It allows your child, if they go to a party and they have a bowl of candy, then they're not going to gorge themselves with this candy because a, they probably know what it feels like of gorging themselves with too much candy because they've had that opportunity at home. And two, they don't have that scarcity mindset. And that scarcity mindset is what often leads to overconsumption. They can have a couple of pieces, enjoy it, and move on and eat the other things at the party. And those are the kind of competent skills that I am hoping to teach. Okay. So let's back it up a little bit. And think about um, parents who have 
an infant and they have not even yet introduced foods, what would be some things that um, partners would need to talk through as they are getting ready to start this venture of food with their, with their baby? And what are your thoughts about introducing solids to infants and then on through the first three years? Yeah, I love that question. Actually, our early taste experiences greatly impact our later food choices. And there's a lot of research supporting this. And those early taste experiences actually start when you are growing a baby and the exchange of those flavors in the amniotic fluid. So it's really cool because before you're actually even introducing your baby to food, solid foods, they are experiencing those flavors in the amniotic fluid. If you are a breastfeeding mother, they are getting the different herbs or spices through the breast milk. So breast milk does not always taste the same. What you eat impacts uh, the flavors of your, your breast milk, which means that your baby is exposed to those flavors. Um, and so all of those things, taste exposures happen before you may even start solids. The other thing is that the, the smell of food, of the different spices used, also impact flavor acceptance. So, you know, if you are a family that cooks a lot with curries, well, your baby is going to be more uh, adapted or feel more comfortable around curries. It won't be an abstract or new flavor because they have tasted it in the amniotic fluid, they've tasted it in the breast milk, and they've smelled it while you're preparing foods in the house before you even invite them to the table. So that is is where I would start with this conversation is that those early taste exposures actually happen before you sit down at the table. Okay, so when you are introducing the first foods to your to your baby at, well, first of all, at what age would you suggest as a nutritionist that we begin introducing foods? So with starting solids, it's around six months of age. There are signs for developmental readiness before you start solids. So those developmental signs would be they have good head and neck control. They can sit upright without being supported. Um, Also, they should show an interest in food. So they should be um, interested in what you're consuming. So those signs might look like a baby opening their mouth when they see that you're eating or they try and take what you're you're feeding yourself. And so really start feeding your child, which again is around six months of age. There's a couple of ways to to start solids and there's a combination of ways. So one that you may be most familiar with is pureed, which is, you know, starting your baby with the traditional baby food, and they can start with self-feeding, you can feed them themselves. And there's also a newer approach, which is something that I've actually used with all three of my girls, and that is called baby-led weaning. And so essentially, baby-led weaning is a type of responsive feeding. Responsive feeding is watching your child's external cues for what they want to put in their mouth. So for example, if you are feeding purees, it's not that you're just shoving food in their mouth, it's that they are 
you know, that 90, 10, they're also coming like 10% because they want to put it in their mouth. If they're spitting it out um, and they seem disinterested, you're not trying to shove it back in their mouth. That's the responsive feeding. They're kind of telling you and showing you uh, what their interests are. Yeah, this is, um, you know, I've been feeding babies for uh, all these years because I had a class of babies for many years before I ever had my own children. And there is a there is a, a moving forward. There's a grabbing of the spoon and putting it in the mouth that happens when yeah. kids are really ready to eat. And it's, it's very obvious <laughs> when they want to eat and when they don't want yeah. to eat. And uh, we do need to follow those cues and be very responsive. That's really, that's really good. And I would say I did, I have recently had a couple of parents reach out to me and actually even another dietitian who's not a pediatric dietitian. And she said, she had a baby who was almost seven month, months and she has invited him to the table every meal and has put food in front and the baby was just not interested, even though all the other developmental signs of readiness were there. And guess what? That's okay, because they're still getting the new nourishment that they need from either breast milk or formula. So, you know, each child in their own time and if a parent's really concerned and they're not reaching out, well, then go see your, your medical provider and, and discuss your concerns with them. But give them a little bit of grace time. You know, it takes, even if they're just smushing it with their hands, this is something entirely new. You know, they have never put anything besides breast milk in their mouth and there's all sorts of flavors and all sorts of textures. And sometimes it's mushy and squishy and cold or hot. And so it, it's a lot of sensory overload. Mm -hmm. And I think um, be gentle with your child and with yourself because just because it's six months and you're, they're meeting these check marks doesn't mean that they are internally ready to, to take a bite. And I love that you, uh, you mentioned how you have seen this feeding of responsiveness and that's what you followed for years. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just a fun thing. You know, feeding babies is fun and um, there's lots of, uh, lots of great conversation that can happen and lots of talking about and, and participating with it's, 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 um, it's, a, it's a good connection experience between you and, and your child. Um, what's your experience introducing? And lots different... of messes. Lots, lots of yes. messes. <laughs> yes. Just take the shirt off <laughs> and, and don't worry about the exactly. mess. Exactly. You know? uh, if it's a really messy mm -hmm. food and you can go exactly. sit, sit outside to eat it, that's even better. So what about your own kids? What have you observed in their willingness to try foods or resistant to certain foods? What, what's been your, your experience? So I would say that my experience is that each of my kids has their own taste buds and their own preferences. A lot of my newer works, books, and resources have been developed watching my oldest, who is now five, eat and her taster, taste and texture preferences. And so what I always like to tell parents is that each unique person has their own taste buds. And with their own taste buds, they have their own flavor preferences and their own texture preferences. So for example, my five-year-old, she never would eat uh, bananas. She never would eat eggs. She didn't like avocado. And so when we started using descriptive words and talking about different textures and as her vocabulary grew, she was able to articulate 
things that she liked or didn't care for about the foods that I was offering. And so what I noticed was a pattern. Anything that was soft, mushy, and squishy, she wouldn't eat. But if I could change the texture to a more acceptable texture for her, she loves crunchy, uh, then I could get her to explore and enjoy new things. So for example, with avocado, I would get a really crispy piece of toast and I'd spread some avocado on the top. She didn't mind the flavor of the avocado. It was that mushy texture. Mm -hmm. With eggs, she would not eat eggs because it was too soft and mushy. So what I do now is I take everybody else's eggs out of the pan and I put the heat on high and I fry them on both sides. So it's the, we call them crispy eggs, or I get the edges, you know, around if you make scrambled eggs, the edges on the pan, that's the eggs that she will eat. Um, mm -hmm. Or with bananas, sometimes she will enjoy some crunchy banana chips. But it's all about being being in tune with what they're trying to communicate with you. So when it's non-verbals, you know, you kind, kind of look for patterns. And when it's verbals, you can start to teach them language to use to articulate what they experience. Right. I, I love what you're saying there, because what you're, you're saying is we really need to observe our children and learn from them and um, respond to what they're communicating to us. My granddaughter is the same way with her eggs. She likes them crispy. And it's funny because my daughter liked her eggs crispy too. When she would cook her own eggs, especially in high school, they would be just, you know, brown. <laughs> she liked them that way. <laughs> That's so funny. And I do not care for my eggs that way at all. Me neither, but and it but that's all, um, why it's important to honor them, right? Of course, yeah. I mean, we 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 would do it for anybody. Why not a child, right? What you mentioned about your daughter and using the vocabulary, the words to describe the food, so that she was able to to um to talk about what she was preferring and those kinds of things and figuring you know, give some words to that. Um, I, I do love your book. I have the book um, 101 Descriptive Words for Food Explorers. And so let's talk a little bit about this book and um, tell us about it and how it can be used with a child to help develop these habits. Sure. So my book, 101 Descriptive uh, Words for Food Explorers, a visual guide for adventures in food really came from an experience with my daughter in trying to help her increase her vocabulary. So something I noticed about her and as an emergent reader is that she would take a book and she would tell me what was happening in the book based on the pictures. And so what I wanted to do was create almost like a dictionary of words specifically related to food using images that she could relate to. It's a really beautiful book. I really love the, the words that you've chosen to describe foods are really good. As an early childhood uh, educator, you know, we need children to have a really wide variety. And these are called rare words or, uh, you know, words that are not a part of our common everyday talk. And so I think it's a really great way to increase understanding and, and also to build vocabulary. I just think it's really fun. Thank tips. you very much. Hi, sure. What would be a few tips that you could give parents just real quickly as to how they can put into action the things that you have said here and um, just a couple of things they can do around the dinner table tonight to help their really young child uh, 
to have this positive relationship with food? So the first thing I would do is, and first thing I would say is that even if your child doesn't like a food now, doesn't mean they won't like it in the future. And research reveals that it could take upwards of 20 times for a child to like or accept a new food. And they could also never like a particular food because their taste buds tell them that it's not right for them. And sometimes their taste buds are the first cue maybe to a food sensitivity or a food allergy, or sometimes it's a cue for them to say it's the flavor or the texture, which is where watching those patterns of what they like or dislike come into play. If you find yourself with a child who really has a limited diet, then I always recommend reaching out to either a dietitian or a speech language pathologist or an occupational therapist that can help you work one-on-one with your child to help increase their intake. Okay. But if you are working with your own child around the table, then I would say always include a safe food and invite new foods for them to try and explore without pressure to eat it. What I would then recommend is also while you are eating these foods is using descriptive words to describe what you're experiencing. So if you are having roasted broccoli at the table, it might be these, this broccoli is green. They look like mini trees. When I take a bite, it's a crispy crunch. And I hear that crunch in my ear. It's got some oil on it. It's got a buttery flavor in my mouth and it's a little bit salty. You can invite them to try it or you can just leave it at that and let them decide on their own. So those are some great ideas. How can people learn more about you? If somebody wanted to learn more about your work, where can they find you, Danny? You can find me on social media at kid.food.explorers on Instagram. My website is also www.kidfoodexplorers.com. And you can find all my books and resources available on Amazon by searching my name. Okay, great. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about um, just how we can create positive relationships with food with our with our really young kids and start them out with a very healthy attitude towards eating. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. If you love today's episode, take a minute and subscribe to our podcast. And one last thing, I'd love to pray for you and your baby if you'd like for me to. You can email me at ask at nurturednoggins.com. Your request can be as simple as just one word, or it can include an explanation. Either way, you can trust that I will pray for you. It's a quiet, simple way that I can connect with you and your family and support you in your parenting journey.